Now, we begin a new series today entitled Heart and Soul. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. I'm just praying that's going to happen today. Hallelujah. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, here's the foundation text for our new series. The multitude of them in Jerusalem, the church numbers swelled to tens of thousands of people in Jerusalem became believers. It was amazing. The mammoth side of the ch size of the church just in Jerusalem. So many people have been saved and baptized, baptized in the Spirit. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. One heart and one soul. You may be seated. Evangel exists to help people encounter Jesus. The heart and the soul of the gospel is that when people in truly encounter Jesus, everything changes. Their life changes. They change. Amen? This is our mission. I want everybody to understand that. This is our mission is to help people encounter Christ. Because I know that when people encounter Christ, everything's going to change. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, The multitude of believers were of one heart and one soul. They got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They got baptized in water. And the Bible also says in these verses that there was great unity of purpose. There was great belief. There was great grace upon the church, great power in the church. You know why I believe we're missing great grace and great power a lot of times? Because there's not one heart and one soul. Where the Lord finds unity, he commands the blessing. That's why I want to say to every person under the sound of my voice, to those watching online, those at Middleburg, you need to be about unity. Always be about bringing the church together, building up the church, encouraging the church, support the church. I'm telling you, when you stand before Jesus one day, that's what you want to be recorded as having been done uh, through your life. Amen? The first century church is not, is not a different church than the 21st century church. Jesus only established one church. A lot of times we misappropriate the terminology here and we refer to the early church. It would be better said if we refer to the church of the first century because there's only one church. Jesus did not establish a first century church, a second century church, a third century church, a 20th century, 21st century. He established one church. And the book of Acts is to be our modus operandi, our means of operating, the way we do things, how we see things. And, and when you read in the book of Acts about dreams and visions, uh, that wasn't just for the first century. That, that was for uh, all time uh, for the church. When you read about great grace, great power, friends, that was for the church, amen? And so there's not many churches. It's the same church, and the Bible says there was great grace and great power. I believe we need to see some great grace and great power in this hour, amen? Somebody help pastor out and say amen. Now, in 2020, the enemy sought to divide the church, even shut down the church through a number of areas. He used politics, he used the virus, he used movements, on and on. He tried to close the church, but I've got good news that what Jesus said in the first century still applies to the 21st century, that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We must be of one heart and one soul. For the church to be successful in carrying forth the vision and the mission of Christ, his mission, he stated it plainly, was to seek and save the lost. And friends, the church cannot have a separate mission than what Jesus identified as his personal mission. Seek and save the lost. Amen? We exist to help people encounter Christ. Now in Acts chapter 9, and I want you to go over there very quickly. Paul, and if they'll put point number one up on the screen... Paul encountered Jesus in Acts chapter 9. In verse 1 and 2, he's breathing out threatenings and slaughter. His, his name before Paul was Saul. He's breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He goes to the high priest and he desired of him letters to go to Damascus. Everybody know where Damascus is? It's Syria. You don't go to Damascus today, amen? Christians don't go to Damascus. But in that time frame, there was a great church, a body of believers in Damascus. So much so that Saul knew he had to go up there and persecute that branch of the church, that part of the church. And he gets letters to do so and to go up and to persecute the church. And he's breathing out threatenings and slaughtering. He's imprisoning and he's in killing, uh, he's killing Christians. I, I want to remind you that it was religion religious leaders that killed Jesus. Oh, wow. Thank you for about 10 amens and one holy grunt. <laughs> religious leaders killed Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about transferring faith. You, you want your children to have faith. You want your children to embrace faith. But there's different kinds of faith that can be transferred. Some people have religious faith. Amen. They just, they just go to a church because their family went to a church. Their parents went to a church. That's their background. Well, that was my family's church home, and it's a religious faith. I, I want to say, friends, you don't want to transfer that to your people, to your, your followers, your generations, not a religious faith. There's a ceremonial faith that it's all about, well, baptism. I got to have my children baptized. I, I got to have them I gotta have them sprinkled or baptized. I gotta, I gotta have a, a wedding in the church. I got, listen, there are people that have weddings in church and they never darken the doors of church. I'm telling you, that's a ceremonial faith and that's not a faith you wanna transfer to your families. Oh, I'm gonna come down and say amen to myself in a minute. Amen. Well, that's, that's where my marriage took place. That's where my baptism took place. Uh, that's, where, uh, that's where I want to have my funeral service. I, I want you to know, friends, that Hezekiah was called by God to lead a revival in Israel. And one of the first things that God had him do was destroy the brazen serpent. That brazen serpent had been a part of Israel's worship for 500 years. People get attached to relics, they get attached to symbols, and they have a ceremonial faith. And you don't want to transfer a ceremonial faith. What you want to have is a Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival faith, a personal faith, amen, that you love Jesus. It's about Jesus. Hallelujah. God had Hezekiah because God was tired of the symbolism. God was tired of the ceremonial. And he said, I want you to destroy that brazen serpent. They're worshiping that brazen serpent on a pole. Even when it was instituted, it was the means of healing. That's what it was meant for. 
But then it became a, an important symbol and they worshiped it and Hezekiah destroyed that thing so that revival could break out. God may be looking for you to destroy some things that have been keeping your focus off of Christ and God wants your eyes on Jesus. A personal faith is what we want to transfer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul was writing to Timothy and he said, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Everybody say, stir it up. I'm going to just come down there because you're not saying amen enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to stand for just a moment. I, I, say, stir it up. Come on, say, pastor, stir it up. Paul said, I got to stir it up in you, Timothy. You had a mother and you had a grandmother that were women of the faith and they transferred something into your spirit. And some of you are in this room right now that you had a mother and you had a grandmother that stirred it up in your life and they transmitted to you some personal faith that it's all about Jesus, amen. I'm thankful for mentors. I'm thankful for people that spoke into our life that stirred it up. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How, how many of you had somebody in your life that stirred it up, a personal faith in Christ? I want you to thank Jesus for that individual right now. They may be in glory, but you need to give praise for that person that stirred some spiritual life into your life. Hallelujah. Thank God for grandmothers and, and mothers of the faith. Amen. Thank God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What you don't want to transfer is lukewarmness. What you don't want to transfer is a lack of uh, the presence of God and the move of the Spirit, amen? Hallelujah. They need to see the Holy Ghost fire and they need to see and experience it. They used to warn people about visiting Pentecostal churches. Hallelujah. Don't go down there, it'll rub off on you. I've had people call up and say, well, Pastor, I'm afraid to come over there. I don't know what's going to get on me. I hope something gets on you real good. Amen. I hope it shakes you up. Amen. I hope it doesn't turn you loose till you are fire baptized, till you are so full of the Holy Ghost and the anointing on your life that you walk straight, that you live straight, that you live in the authority God's called you to live in and walk in the anointing God has for you in this hour. Hallelujah. He's headed up to Damascus in verse 3 and suddenly a bright light shines down upon him. A bright light and he falls to the ground. That was a sovereign act of God. God is not willing that any should perish. He stopped Saul right in the course of life, right in what he was doing as, as a very important, he was a VIP. And God knocked Saul to the ground and gets his attention. I still believe, friends, if the church will pray, God will knock some people down on the ground. There's some people on high horses that they need to get low. Amen. They need to get down and humble themselves before God. I'm preaching a whole lot better than some of you are letting on right now. But I still believe in radical encounters. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you get so under conviction during this service that you can't wait for the altar call. Hallelujah. Verse 4 says, He fell to the ground and he heard the voice of the Lord 
And the voice of the Lord said, I am Jesus and you're persecuting me. I just think if you'll hear the voice of the Spirit this morning, God will be saying, I love you, I love you, but you've been in the wrong vein, you've been in the wrong lane of life and you need to get straightened out. You need to quit kicking against the pricks. You need to quit kicking against uh, the things of God. Don't persecute the church. From heaven, Jesus said to Saul, you've been persecuting my church. Be a unifier of the church. Don't let him have to speak to you twice about that. Verse six, he trembling said, Lord, what will thou have me do? Arise, go to the city, go into Damascus. There he was blinded for three days and he fasted food and water. The scripture's quite clear that he did a total fast for three days and then God sent a mentor. God sent Ananias to Saul. Now listen, Ananias is no dummy. Ananias has done heard about Saul. He knows that Saul's been killing Christians. He knows that he's been imprisoning Christians. But God gave a word to Ananias. Saul's been praying. Hallelujah. Some of you just need to hear a word this morning, a rhema word. That was a rhema word to Ananias. He, he was not about to just go put his life on the line. But I'm telling you, friends, that uh, Ananias, God spoke, the Lord spoke right here in this passage to Ananias and said, arise and go, Saul's been praying. I, I, I want you to know that God precedes his call. God precedes uh, what he's asking us to do with some things that are happening on the other side of the spectrum. He would already begin working on Saul's life, amen? But Saul needed an Ananias. And Saul said uh, to him, or Ananias said, Brother Saul, the Lord hath called me. And he preaches the gospel to Saul. Saul gets saved, he gets baptized in water, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he gets healed all in one dose. You don't have to wait for a long time, friends. What God has for you can happen right here in this service. Amen. God can save you, heal you, baptize you, fill you right here before you leave this sanctuary this morning. Saul got the whole dose. Amen. Sometimes we feel like we've been too bad. We've committed too many sins. That's why Paul said, I was the chief of sinners. If the chief can get saved, all the other Indians can get saved. How many are thankful he saved you? Point number two, I want them to put it up. We are here to build disciples. God began to use Paul immediately. I like what verse 20 says, because sometimes people feel, well, I need to sit a little while and, and get in here and, and just receive, receive, receive. No, it says straightway he began to preach. Straightway he began to witness. Uh, you need to get saved and filled with the Spirit and then you need to begin to use those giftings in your life and you need to apply. What happens is people let those things lie dormant and they start to stagnate. What happens, the anointing comes as you use the gifts, as you use the talents, as you begin to be used of the Lord and let things flow through your life. There's an anointing that starts to rise up in your life. But as long as you sit quiet and sit still and you don't serve and you don't work and you don't do something for the Lord, friends, those giftings are never going to multiply. It's in the going. It's in the doing where the anointing rises up. And Saul began, verse 20, to straightway preach Christ in the synagogues. He didn't just go to easy places. He went to the synagogues where Jewish people had been ingrained in a certain doctrinal background. 
We've got to be ingrained to help people encounter Jesus. But then, friends, we've got to be committed to building disciples. Amen? I'm thankful that in Damascus, Paul had Ananias. And Ananias worked with Paul mentored him for the period of time that was there, was part of helping him, let him down over the walls of, of the, the city of Damascus to escape being killed. And then Paul goes to Jerusalem. And thank God in Jerusalem there was another discipler. There was another person called alongside. I want you to know that every person in this room and every person under the sound of pastor's voice is called to be a disciple and a discipler. God did not save you to be a Christian. Don't you listen. God did not save you to just be a Christian. You're to be a disciple. That's a whole different level. And the pure definition of disciple means you become a discipler. And God had so arranged in Jerusalem, there was a Barnabas, a son of consolation. And Barnabas came alongside Paul and began to mentor him and took him around to meet. Hey, everybody in Jerusalem already knew who Paul Saul was. They knew him. They knew him. But it took a Barnabas to begin to reintroduce him. We let him know, uh, let the people know that, hey, this man's been changed. Uh, he was found in Damascus praying. He's been baptized. He's been filled with the Spirit. He's been, he's been preaching the gospel. And they begin to accept him in the Jerusalem church. In 2021, we have to be committed to discipleship. And I want to say this, and I want everybody to grasp this at Middleburg online and here in the sanctuary that you must be giving yourself to becoming a disciple of Christ. And with that, you begin to disciple, you begin to mentor, you begin to invest in people around you. That's so important. That's why we have two of the most successful programs, and really, if you study this out, really look at this, at all the studies made, Sunday School is still the number one discipleship program of any program that's available. And I know there's a lot of twists and a lot of things, a lot of different things, uh, in, uh, in this current hour, but still the proven fact is that Sunday school has the highest consistency of all that's being accomplished to disciple people in the things of God. E-groups are so important. I just want to challenge you. Today is the last day for this semester of e-groups. I hope you'll go out there and get signed up. But the churches in America need a fresh commitment to discipleship. Amen? Point number three says one heart and one soul. I want us to see that in 2021 at Middleburg online and here at Central. We have a world to reach. You have family members, you have neighbors, and we've gotta see the lost. Our jungle missionary last week said, if you can't see the lost overseas, you won't be able to see the lost that live next door to you. We've gotta see the lost from local to global, and you'll continue to hear pastors say that because I believe that. In 2020, we reached a lot of people a lot of people, it was amazing what God did in a pandemic year, even when the, the church was closed. And one of the families that this church touched is the Cotton family, seated over here to my right. One of the families, just one of many families that were touched last year, but their story is a wonderful story of how that even in challenging times, people can be impacted by a local church that is willing to take a step and do some things for God uh, when, when it looks like it's one of the most challenging hours we've ever been a part of, anyone's been a part of. And their story is a wonderful story of how they connected. And I want you to watch the screen uh, to hear the Cotton's testimony of how the church touched them this past year. I've seen 
the good, the bad, and the ugly in churches my whole life. I understand that church people are just people. And the people here are so genuine, the, the ones we've encountered at least. And, you know, we really just appreciate that. And it's meant a lot. It really has because when uh, I'll, you know, the company that I came from, they went bankrupt. Uh, you know, the 2020, you know, whole whole nine yards. The first thing that we started doing was trying to find a church because that's central to our life. And, uh, and we knew that God wouldn't take us somewhere. That he wasn't going to provide for all of us. And that's what evangelists be. But we knew that because God was providing for us uh, financially here, that he would also provide for our entire family uh, a church to get hooked up with. So we found Evangel online, began watching the live stream uh, while we were still in Dothan. And when we moved here, as soon as it opened up for us to come uh, attend in person, we, we came and we've been here ever since. Well, I just remember when we came in, it just, I don't know, we knew we were home. I don't really know how else to explain it. Um, we had, were super involved in our home church before we moved here. And so. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know we could walk in another church and just automatically feel at home, but we did. Yeah, the transition has been just as smooth, smoother than we could have could have even imagined. Um, and the pastoral staff here is, they're just so friendly. They're so, you can, you can tell they love people. And that love for people, uh, it, draw, it draws people to want to get together, to want to connect, to, to find out more about how they can bring their supply uh, to the body. We've all been able to get plugged in in different areas and in, in areas that we're interested in um, because we, we all have different interests. Um, and we just, we enjoy being able to, to do things we enjoy, but with our church family, not just away from church, but being able to do it, like I said earlier, do life with people uh, who are just, you know, we're all in this together. It feels that way at Evangel. It feels like we're all in this together. Come on, let's thank the Cotton family for their story. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. What does that look like moving forward this spring? All of you know that we need a microphone right there on the front row, Brother Dean. All of you know that every December we do what is called Mission of Hope. And Mission of Hope was a wonderful outreach that we did this past December. This church gave out $30,000 in just crazy ways, helping needy people throughout the community. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And uh, just incredible outreach of this church. That's just one outreach that we do. But Dean and some men came up with the idea, why can't we do this four times a year? And so uh, the church board last week approved uh, doing four of these major outreaches here local. We do a lot of stuff that's not a part of these particular Mission of Hope things locally, but uh, that's just one, 
one type of outreach local. And, uh, and so we've approved a spring uh, outreach, Mission of Hope. And uh, it began 27 years ago in a ballpark. And Pastor Jordan was a t-ball player, first year to ever play. They graded the players, and Pastor Jordan graded, it was his first year, he graded a C. So he was a C player that had ABC. And Dean was a coach. I'd never met Dean. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. But uh, going down the list of players, he's supposed to be picking A players. And you picked what? It was, it was kind of because this is my first year coaching at that part too, so... I'm, I was real competitive before I got saved. I'm still competitive, but I was, I was overboard competitive. He's still competitive. Still competitive. <laughs> so I had this spreadsheet, and, it, and we graded all these, these boys out, and we went to the draft, and we're sitting there, and I'm looking at the A players, and there's still all the Bs, and there was this, the Cs, and I asked them, I said, can, can I take a C player? And they're like, well, we don't want you to take a C player because we want to try to keep all the, the teams competitive. I said, am I allowed to take a C player? They said, you can take one. I looked down at my sheet, and on my sheet, I had stars around the name of Jordan Wiggins. Didn't know him. Didn't know him. Never met him. Didn't. And it was just the Lord working it out for a Dean man. had never, really never been in church? No, I, I was not raised in church. Uh, it was crazy that the Lord just put this together so a man by the name of Gary Wiggins could love on a man named Coach Dean. Never and, told him I was a pastor, mm -hmm. minister, and uh, he began to coach Jordan. And, and he, would, he, would, he would just started loving on me. You know, Asher said, you could tell that the pastors love you, and he just started loving on me. And I didn't even know he was a pastor. He'd call me. He would say, hey, thank you for coaching my boy. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you're welcome. The next week he would call me again and just like, hey, thank you so much for coaching my boy. What I didn't know is my coworker had told him, did, little, did, did a little spy mission and told Pastor Gary, hey, he's the chiefest sinner. He, that, that man lost. You need to get him saved. But he's, He listen, needed to be saved. I needed to be saved. And he was just loving. And, and I remember the third time he called the house, and he was just loving on me, just loving on me, not preaching to me, loving on me. And I remember ha hanging the phone up, and I told Tracy, I said, there's something different about that man, something different. And I know the exact place at Marietta Bulls Bay, Athletic Association, where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you had to get in church. And I didn't even know why I had to get in church because I didn't even, I didn't even know what it meant to be saved. I didn't know any Bible stories, but I know that at a Little League Park, not in a church, but at a Little League Park, the Holy Spirit started speaking to my heart that I needed to get saved. I needed to get saved. And Dean, I, Dean made an appointment to yeah. come see me. He said, I want to make an appointment to come get, get saved. What was crazy about that was, is the night I come to church, I, well, there's a whole story about us even making it here because Tracy didn't want to come here because it was Pentecostal and she said it was Holy Rollers. It's going to rub off yeah, on Yeah, yeah. She said, we're not going. I told, come back to her, I said, Tracy, I don't even want to come to your church. She said, you're Holy Rollers. She said, just come one time, just come one time. And I showed up and it was in the old church with orange carpet and, and Pastor Cecil preached and I didn't get saved. Cause I didn't even know what it meant to be saved. So that night we went home and Tracy was laying in the bed and she said, she said, are you saved? I said, saved from what? What do you want me to be saved from? And she said, if, if you were to die tonight, would you make it to heaven? I said, you know I would, I'm a good person. Even though I was a great sinner, I was a good person. I had a good heart, you know. And, and that's why Little Leagues is good soil because there's a bunch of people with some good hearts and we're gonna get to that. And I called Pastor Gary up the next day 
I said, hey, I gotta come in. I, got, I, I need to make an appointment with you. He says, what do you need? I said, I need to come in and get saved. Because Tracy told me, she said, Pastor Gary's got to pray with you. So I went in and got saved. And saying all this to say this, Little League Parks is some good, good soil. Listen to me. There's a lot, hundreds of families hundreds. in these little league parks. Because it, it, it's, it's moms and dads with good hearts. It's, it's coaches with good hearts, and they're lost. So we're going to go out and do outreaches this month and next month at the little league park. Y'all with me? The, listen to me. Here's the good thing. If you've never gone out to do outreach, at this outreach, you don't need to bring a Bible. You need to bring a rake. You need to bring a blower. You need to bring a, bring a paintbrush. So February the 20th, so it's going to be a week from this coming Saturday, we're going to have a church-wide work day. We're going to show up here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Everybody say 8 o'clock. February 20th. We're going to show up, and we're going to go to, to four different ballparks here in this town. I, I, I'm hoping to have two or 300 volunteers show up. You, you, I, I need it. I need, and we're going to go out and we're going to love on these little league parks. We're going to work and work and this this blessing's like fivefold. First thing we're going to do is we're going to bless them financially and buy them things that they can't even afford in their budget. Some of them don't have ice machines. We're going to buy them an ice machine. One bases the, for the bases. One of the parks don't even have bases. So we're going to bless them financially. We're, listen, we're going to bless them as as the church shows up. I've coached for thirty something years, and I'm just telling you on game day. None of my players was sitting in the bleachers. You hear me? They had to get on the field. So on February 20th, I'm gonna need all y'all to get out of the bleachers and come get on the field with me. Come so, get on the field with me. So we've gone to four different parks, four different parks to start with. Now this will touch hundreds of families per park and then all of the families that come from other associations to that park, they're gonna be touched through the very intentional outreaches, but we've committed $5,000 per park, $20,000 for the spring outreach, and we're just going to do some really, really neat stuff to reach people. And we, can, we don't have time to explain the whole thing here other than to say it's going to make a difference in a lot of lives. And we've gone to the association, sat down with the presidents of the associations and their leaders, and they're blown away that a church is going to do this. They cannot believe this. In fact, where our men went to one of the associations and sat down with their leadership and explained, some of the head people in the association knelt on the parking lot right then and there and gave their life to Christ just because we were Amen. telling them what we were doing. Amen. Right there on the parking lot. We'll be passing out some flyers here. We're going to go out on February the 20th as a church. You say, as a church, y'all with me? As a church. As a church. And we're going to go love on that park. And then on March 27th, we're going to wait for one month, and we're going to show up again because they're already going to start recognizing us. And we're going to bless every coach, every mom, every dad. Listen, we're going to be working in a concession stand so moms and dads can be out watching their kids. We're going to buy all the concession food all day. We're going to love on people. We're loving on all the kids. And we're going to, listen, we're going to take extra bags of love. You with me? extra bags of love and, and make a difference at these parks because you know what i know there's another dean hollingsworth in that park you with me I, I know there's another lost dad i know there's another lost mama another lost coach and we it's, it's people expect to get loved on in church but we're going to go outside these four walls y'all with me february i need every one of y'all y'all got to come see coach on february the 20th and we're going to go out and love on this community come on let's stand together and give jesus praise hallelujah I want the worship team to come with every head bowed and every eye closed. 
I'm going to give an altar call. We're going to serve communion, and I'm going to speak the blessing over you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, maybe you've been in this season, you've just been away from the Lord. You've been cold. You've been indifferent. Things you know deep down you could be closer. In fact, I want everyone that knows they could be closer to the Lord, I want you to lift your hand for prayer right now. You know you could be closer. My, 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 my. All over the sanctuary. Online, you can put it in the chat. Pastor, I know I need to be closer. If you're not born again or you're, if you're a backslider, I want you to move from where you're standing and I want you to walk this aisle and I want you to come right here to the front as they play softly in the background. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. If you're not where you ought to be with Christ, I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. If you need to move closer to the Lord, if you need Christ in your life, I invite you, sir, come on. We have people in the early service that walked these aisles and they made their way to the front. If you know, if Jesus were to come today, you know you'd be left behind. I want to invite you to come to this altar right now. Come on. God bless you. God bless you, Mom. God bless you, lady. Come on. Amen. Come on. I need some deacons down here. I need some pastors down here. If Jesus were to come today and you're not sure of your salvation, you're not 100% sure, if you're not where you ought to be, I invite you to come right now. Come on. I'm not going to belabor the point. Just a moment longer. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Young lady coming in the back. Hallelujah. Just as I am and one plea. But I need some prayer team down here, some ladies. Wash for me and that. God bless you. God bless every one of these that have come. If you don't know Jesus, if you would miss the rapture, if you're not where you ought to be, uh, we're going to sing that one more time and I'm going to pray. Just as God bless this young lady. this altar the greatest thing you could do is obey Christ you're not where you ought to be if Jesus were to come today do you know that you're ready do you know that you're ready you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity you can't straddle the fence this is heaven this is hell you got to make a decision in this life God bless these ladies that are coming God bless these ladies that are coming God bless these ladies. Hallelujah. I want everyone to repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry that I have sinned. I make you the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'll begin to live as a disciple. In your name I pray. 
Amen. That's a simple prayer that I led Dean 27 years ago. Just simple prayer, asking Jesus to be Lord. Come in. And it starts there. You fall in love with Jesus. Dean brought me a list two weeks later of 20 things. He said, Pastor, can I keep going to the bars? Can I keep drinking? Can I keep doing all these things? I said, Dean, tear that piece of paper up. I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. What I am going to tell you, you fall madly in love with Jesus and you get in this book and it'll all work out. Madly in love with Jesus, get in this book and God will show you. I don't have to, I don't have to beat you over the head with whatever. Madly in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and let those tears flow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have the elements of communion, somebody help me, please. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Yeshua Christ, Jesus, took bread. And when he had broken it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do as often as you eat this in remembrance of me. After supper, after the Passover supper, the night of the betrayal, he took the juice, the cup of juice, and he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord's death until he comes. I want every person, how many need healing in your body? Everyone that needs healing, I want you to, everyone, take the bread and break it. There are 39 stripes on his back, his back, that cover every form of sickness and disease known to man. 39 categories. You're covered this morning. You're covered this morning. I want us to eat this bread. This represents his body. Hallelujah. You're eating health. Healing is the children's bread, Jesus said. Hallelujah. You receive that right now in the name of Jesus. Now let's take the cup, his blood. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. At the cross Bow my knee. Where your shed for me. me. There's no greater love of than this. You have overcome the grave. Your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now? We say, At the cross, everybody sing this. Come on, sing this to it. Shed for me. Shed for me, there's no 
ironic blessing. Sometime in the near future, my wife and I found something. Actually, she found it and shared it with me uh, in devotions this week about Aaron making sacrifice in the book of Leviticus. And after he made a certain kind of sacrifice, then he spoke the ironic blessing, the blessing over the people. You've offered up your sacrifice of worship to the Lord, and the blessing is about to be spoken over you. And I want you to receive that in Jesus' name. Lift your hands, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Tell Aaron and his sons, Aaron and his sons were priests, this is how you will bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, We're grafted in for the seed of Abraham by faith. The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee. And the Lord make his face to shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance over you, and give you peace. And you will put my name, God says,